0: you're listening to producing with purpose an ethical business podcast with me tony corrales we'll be speaking to some of the greatest ceos creatives founders and entrepreneurs who have established and managed companies that put ethical practices at the forefront of their mission all whilst navigating the challenges of the business world Hello and welcome to episode 16 of Producing with Purpose. As always, thanks for tuning in and listening. And today we've got a really great chat featuring Kayla Masuto of Kramer Joe. They are a sustainable coffee pod producer based here in Melbourne. It was actually lovely. I got to go and hang out with Kayla in person, go to their offices. We've been in and out of lockdowns here in Melbourne. So that was really nice to do. Uh, It was also the warmest I've been in absolutely weeks after being in our freezing cold warehouse and getting to go into her nice office. So that was pleasant. Uh, And we had a really good chat about the work she's doing with Chroma Joe and also the work she's doing with Precious Plastics. Uh, I'll get into that a little bit in a minute and of course throughout the episode. But that's really interesting. And for everyone who is interested in sustainability and what can actually be done on a more micro level but within business, the stuff about Precious Plastics is really interesting. So we got stuck into talking about, you know, the growth of a business, selling a product, customer acquisition, all of that good stuff. Um, but also what it looks like, you know, coming from what was in Kayla's case being in an advertising agency before, and then moving into starting your own business. You know, coming from agency myself, I know how hectic and busy and time-consuming and full on that kind of work can be. Um, and how that actually differs going into something that's your own way, you're technically working harder but you're a bit of a master of your own fate and Kramer Joe have built up a really incredible business after over the last few years. Uh, So it was really nice to dig into some of the finer details of that. And again, talking about precious plastics, I actually got to see in their offices there, uh, you know, some plastic recycling happening with machines that I was surprised were so small and there's some really interesting detail about how this, you know, this machinery is open source and is becoming more available to businesses to actually incorporate into their cycles Um, And to also then have something that you can productize and monetize as well, which is what Kayla and her team uh, with her husband there are doing with Precious Plastics. So a really interesting chat here focusing on some great elements of sustainability. Also, the journey around sustainability as well. You know, people's personal and professional relationships with sustainability, not just being perfect from day one, especially if you're trying to produce a product, you know, understanding where the market fit is understanding what you can do to still be a viable business whilst also having the visions of being you know as sustainable and and as ethical as possible which i then tie back to my business as well it's definitely something that we experience and i talk about quite a lot on this show as well so again this was a lovely chat really nice to spend some time with kayla nice to hang out and you know talk coffee as well passion of mine talk sustainability and recycling What what a great combo um, and I really hope you enjoy it as well. Introducing Kayla of Joe. Okay, so today I'm producing with purpose. I'm sitting here in a nice warm office uh, with Kayla Masuto of Chroma Joe. Uh, we've just actually been having a look downstairs as well at the setup for precious plastics, which is something we'll talk about too throughout this chat, um, which is really cool to see. Cool to see some plastic recycling and things in action. Um, definitely blew my mind and going to ask you some more about that in a minute. Um, But yeah, hello and welcome to Producing with Purpose.
1: Hello. Thank you for having me.
0: No problem. Um, So we've just been having a little bit of a chat and getting a bit of an idea and obviously I've been doing my online stalking and things that I do before we chat.
2: You did a Uh, good stalk.
0: (laughs) Thank you. Done my job. Um, But just in your words, give us a little bit bit of an overview of your background, you know, and whatever you feel is relative, or even if it isn't, you just want to tell us about. Sure. Um, and tell us a little bit about the, you know, the kind of elevator pitch of Kramer Joe as well.
1: Yeah. Um, so, I my background, um, I actually worked in the advertising industry for 10 years. Yeah. And I guess we were essentially looking for something that was a little bit more family friendly, as well as something mm. with a little more purpose. Um, and... Yeah, we, we launched Cremajo Joe in 2014. So my yep. husband and I co-founded it together. Um, and it's, yeah, I guess, in a nutshell, we specialise in eco-friendly coffee pods. Um, and over the years, it's really just sort of grown from there. So we've added additional lines. We've got coffee and eco-friendly cleaning accessories for coffee pod machines and yep. that kind of thing. Um, so, yeah, I mean, uh, I, I think a big... Um, a really core part of the business is uh that we you know from the start have chosen to be very responsible and sustainable from top to bottom so um yeah from day dot that was a really crucial aspect of the business
0: cool so you say you came from the advertising industry were you in like agency land was that your space? yeah
1: yes? Yeah, yeah. so ad land um so yeah i I did um, essentially design and retouching. So my specialty is more retouching, so photoshopping. Okay, cool. Um, so, yeah, it's kind of – it's an interesting um, – oh, uh, I guess a very a big flip in my career. It's kind mm. of – I'm sort of doing the polar opposite of what I used to do. I sort of think of it that way, you know. Yeah.
2: Um,
1: and it's nice. It's nice to be doing something that um, – I guess is so positive and impactful now. Yeah. Um, I guess I, ha- I feel like we've got a lot more purpose. I mean, it's it's. I thought I thought working in advertising was really hard, mm-hmm. um, but that was before I owned my own business, and it's it's yeah. certainly. Um, I work harder than I've ever worked before, but uh, you know I've got a really good reason to get up in the mornings now, and um, yeah, it feels good to be doing something cool. of impact.
0: Um, so obviously, going then into Chrome and, Chrome and Joe and having this vision of a more sustainable alternative for a product. Was it one of those things that you've been thinking, you know, for, for years it was in the back of your mind, you're like, someone should do this, I should do this, here's mm-hmm. an idea or was it like a lightning bulb moment and then you just started it the next day?
1: Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, so... I guess we had an espresso machine at home Yeah. Um, and a lot of our family members did. It was, you know, back in the day, everyone was grabbing one. It was yep. just the thing to do. And it was just how you brewed coffee at home. And, um, you know, I've always been fairly sustainably minded. Obviously, I've really, you know, I've come even further with that over the years as I've become more aware. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I guess, you know, we were really seeing for ourselves just how quickly those those coffee pods added up. Um, and we had started to look into sustainable alternatives. And it, at the time, 2014, there wasn't a lot around that was, I guess, truly sustainable in that space. Like it yeah. was, um, this was before the war on waste aired, yeah. <laughs> you know. Um and my i <laughs> always like to poke fun at my husband who's also the co-founder he's always come out with hair-brained ideas which i'm usually shooting down because <laughs> i'm the realist out of the two of us okay, cool. and um, he suggested that you know is jerkin he was he basically said do you think that this is something that could be done with a reusable pod um, and i guess it just sort of went from there so yeah. you know we started doing our research we started doing some testing um we started working with our manufacturer and it's, it's gone from there. And I guess from there, what we've done is continue to expand our line cause I've, um, because obviously uh, the pods are quite machine specific and they can be mm. model specific. So we've grown to expand that range to continue to cover off as many of the most popular coffee pod systems uh, as we can yeah. to help as many consumers as we can switch to a more sustainable
0: alternative. Awesome. So in that situation then you mentioned, you know, your husband has the, the ideas you um, can see a lot of that in my relationship where it's like every day I wake up with a new you know, million dollar idea that I don't really do much with. Um, but would you say in that situation, you've got one of those relationships in a business sense where one of you is the visionary and the other person is the builder? So someone's like the ideas person and the other one's then coming in with the, yeah, but how do we execute it and <laughs> making sure it doesn't fall through the cracks?
1: Yeah. Um, yeah, we, we are very yin and yang. Yeah. Um, uh, it's interesting. I mean, I come from a creative background, but um, yeah, my husband appears se- seems to be the one with the big ideas because I'm more, I guess, risk adverse. Yeah. Um, so I, I am very details focused, yeah. um, and I guess yeah, execution is probably my strong point. Cool. Um, so yeah, it's a really good balance there.
0: Yeah, I think it's it's really important, and that's what I've managed to get with my business partners. Is we have you know someone who's really the visionary and is like we need to do this we need to do it tomorrow it's like yeah cool love the idea but I'll tell you all the reasons that we need to slow down or we need to do it properly and you feel like you be in the killjoy but you're just making sure it's done <laughs> yeah. properly yeah absolutely cool um so you mentioned as well that your your journey of sustainability or like I suppose your awareness of sustainability and environmentalism has developed throughout the course of the brand as well so would you say that, that was the thing because it's actually something I've found recently is, you know, for people who listen to the podcast, they, uh, if they've listened before, they know that founding No Skin, we are predominantly, we came in to be a vegan fashion brand replacing um, sort of high quality fashion that had animal product. But then it became, as I was looking into things, I feel like I've just gone on a very rapid journey of becoming more environmentally conscious. And I spend some mm. like a lot of my time just learning new things yeah. as I go. Yeah. Was that the same for you? Do you think you... You know, you had a little bit of an inkling of that thing, and you were like, this is wasteful, and I can see that, but then it just changed your mentality.
1: Yeah, and I, I think sustainability, you know, the journey does tend to be one of growth for hmm. for everyone, and that's totally fine, you know. Like, I think back in the day, I'm like, oh, yep, I've used plastic straws in the past, and, yeah. you know, um, we've all done that, and as long as we're continuing to learn and to grow and improve our impact... Um, I think that's the main thing. And some, some days I do better than others and, yeah. um, you know, some weeks it's it's a harder week and maybe I get lazy and put some food scraps in my regular bin because the compost is full. know, yeah, I've got a yeah. young child at home and things get frantic. Um, but, you know, the thing is as long as we're trying and it's it's really about – Um, just doing your best and then you know I've always thought of it um I guess in a sense that I I just like to continue to add things to what I'm doing so I learn something new and I start to take on or or make that swap or um you know just make positive changes and continue to to grow or improve my own footprint essentially
2: Mm.
0: yeah for sure I mean that's it's been a big thing um for for my journey as well, and I suppose a lot of my attitude towards things is that, especially whether it's business or personal, a million people doing mm. their best effort is better than a thousand people being perfect. Mm. It's going to have a great big impact. Um, cool. So coming then into the actual journey of building this up. You know, so you've had the idea, and you even said there we, um, you know, we decided to we decided on this idea. You thought that like this vision had some legs to it, and you could see that the waste your coffee pods was causing and then the next step you said well we then worked with our manufacturer you know we did some trialing and we did some product review that's a huge step that's yeah. a very bit so you know I know for a lot of people listening they'd be like you know how the hell do you get yeah. from the idea to that tell me a little bit about that stage
1: yeah um so you I guess up until this point we had no business experience (laughs) and sometimes I still kind of feel like we're new to business I mean it's it's a constant journey of learning and just like Mm -hmm. making mistakes and hoping for the best um (laughs) so I mean at the time we we had also just bought our first house so we Mm -hmm. weren't looking to um add in any more loans or, <laughs> or anything to our life. Yeah. Um, so we were doing a lot of research and what we did find is that there were some manufacturers that were producing reusable pods already. Okay. Um, so it was really early days in that space. And so we essentially got in touch um, with a couple and we had products sent over and we were trialing and testing those. Um, and I mean, the, the quality differed quite a bit. Obviously, mm-hmm. there's a few key things when it comes to reusable coffee pods. You obviously, um, you want something that's highly durable, but it also needs to be functional and it needs to create a good coffee. And I think that's something that people forget about. You know, there's a lot of, um, I guess, sustainable coffee pods around, but, um, really like going, moving to a sustainable alternative is one thing, but making sure that you can get a really good coffee out of that is important as well. Um, so we essentially found one that we were really happy with and, um, we we needed a few changes made, and there was a, a, like I probably maybe six months of back and forth, just tinkering and getting it just right cool. Cool. for the Australian market. Um, and then from there, we we launched it. I think that would have been twenty fifteen, um, and then yeah, I guess over the years we've sort of continued that process, and we work closely with our manufacturer. Um, you know, when um, uh, the Aldi machine, for example, so that's yeah. that's one that's um, sort of popped up over the years and um, it's the popularity of that machine has grown really fast in okay. Australia, but, you know, our manufacturer weren't seeing any of that interest. Um, so we've, yeah, okay, we've brought that to Australia only, essentially, but... Um, we, so we've got our core lines that we work directly with our man- manufacturer for. Then we've yep. also got lines that we distribute. Okay. Um, that come from a couple of other suppliers. So we essentially to get the the whole range and be able to tackle as many bases as we can. Yeah. Uh, we work with a range of suppliers. Um,
2: yeah.
0: Okay. So yeah, is that one of the bigger challenges then the actual variation in the market of different pods, different models, and yeah, different brand. Like you, I mean, how many? How many different pods do you need to case? Yeah. for?
1: Um, yeah, so it's, it's a bit of a tricky one. Obviously, there's quite a bit involved in launching a new line, so we have to make sure that the demand is there. And we yeah. sort of base that off what we're seeing, you know, as far as inquiries go and what we're seeing um, in the market, doing a bit of market research. Yeah. Um, you know, so there's probably, there's probably 15, you know, 10 to 15 types of capsule that we could release however we've stuck to a core i think of about half a dozen because okay. they're the key machines the most popular machines yeah um so i guess yeah we, we really do just try and cover off those most popular lines and we're trying to help you know the most amount of consumers that we can but also in the most efficient way um
0: yeah and you've got to be yeah. a sustainable business for that's yourself. right
1: that's yeah. right yeah it's an interesting space and it's changing all the time and mm. um You know, I guess you know Nespresso. I would say would have been one of the first to release pod machines. Yeah. Um, and you know they've even adapted over the years to bring out their own lines that have have changed quite significantly. Yeah. Because there's so many um competing brands coming Mm -hmm. out, Uh, you know. So their Virtuo, for example, is a completely different shape. It's like a disc. Um, kind of looks like a like a UFO. Oh, yeah, I know that. You know, yeah. you know um, and they've also got their, um, you know, a line of machines that are essentially for corporate only. So, again, yeah. you know, they're, they're um, changing, shifting what they're doing and, and um, making it a little bit trickier for the smaller businesses to keep up.
0: Yeah, for sure. And, I mean, in those, now that you say that, I, I totally know the UFO ones. You yeah. mean, I've seen them a lot. Is there a... Is it a consideration, or is it something you've thought? Then is because what the place that I've seen though is what I think of straight away is in hotels, mm. and obviously that's a huge producer yeah. of these. Is there any way you can you can foresee getting more sustainable replacements into that kind of commercial environment?
1: Yeah, look, we've um, we've looked at that, and we actually launched. Um, so we got a city of Melbourne grant in twenty nineteen yeah. at the end of twenty nineteen um, to launch a corporate capsule service where we were essentially filling capsules delivering them okay picking cool. them up washing them out and just you know doing yeah, the whole okay. process and it was massive and we put a lot into it and then covid yeah okay. uh, so that kind of that all sort of went down the drain and we haven't been able to um yeah we haven't been able to move on that again it's mm-hmm. just it's not the right space for it anymore
0: that's fair enough yeah, yeah
1: um so we have looked at that Uh, And it's definitely tricky. And I think the thing that probably makes it harder is, um, you know, a lot of businesses and hotels and and that kind of thing is part of their, you know, sustainability programs. They're recycling their capsules and they're, you know, um, as you know, a lot of people feel that recycling is kind of the be-all, end-all. And we've moved quite a bit beyond that over the years and and there's still... um, a lot of catching up to do and a lot of education. Yeah. Um, so it does make it make it difficult when there is that belief that recycling is the answer, when we know that it's actually just a Band-Aid solution yeah. for a much bigger problem.
0: Oh, cool. Yeah. So, yeah, that's... And it was actually something I was going to ask in a little bit, but I feel like we're in that realm at the moment. Um, and I, it's probably something you get asked a lot, and maybe this is something that's already present in the market, but... How how big is the risk that Nespresso turn around and actually release what you do, in terms of creating the reusable pods?
1: Yeah, (laughs) Um, I just don't think the revenue is there. You know, (laughs) you know, um, specialising in a reusable product doesn't really. I mean, it's not really a great business model. You know. it doesn't make for a repeat purchase and Mm. that that's tough um but you know we've always been for for crema joe we've always been like very committed to just being you know we're in the sustainability space and we're we're committed to that and it can be difficult on you know businesses that do specialize in reusable um but this is what we do, and you know, we we have added lines to try to mitigate some of that. So obviously, we've got our coffee, and you know, yeah. a, a part of um, the benefit of our product is that consumers can shop anywhere for their coffee. But some of our customers do buy ours, yeah. um, and then we have some um, products have a small recyclable component. Um, so we do have that that can be a repeat purchase, just depending on the yeah. product, and it depends on what you know. As I said, there's different machines, so there's different requirements. Some machines just work better if one, there's one recyclable component because essentially mm. um, when it comes to coffee, it's all about the pressure buildup. So those products that are completely 100% steel, there's no component that gets pierced by the machine, so there's not okay. as much pressure buildup, whereas um, we have other products, for example, that have a steel base and yep. then like a thin foil lid on top that gets pierced, so you'll get a stronger coffee from Okay. that pot. So we've sort of um, I guess we, we have a range of options like that some are zero waste, some yeah. have a small recyclable or compostable component and the reason for that is that we're essentially trying to help as many consumers as possible move to these sustainable capsules and yeah. part of that is expecting that some people are you know going to be let's say a, a they might not have the patience to work as hard. You know, yeah. they're coming from a place of using a disposable capsule. So some of these... Um, we have lines that are simpler to use and might make a better coffee and there's a lot less waste there. Um, but they may work better for, um, you know, a, a customer who's not willing to work as hard for it.
0: Yeah, no, that that totally makes sense. I, and I can... Yeah,
1: I may have jumbled that a little bit.
0: No, I, I see. I know what you're getting at. And I also... No there's an element there of you know trying to not blanket label the types of customers but you are going to have and so I'll do a little bit of it for you um, so you are going to have your coffee snob who doesn't want to compromise the quality (laughs) of it but they want to do their part and then you're going to have your hardcore you know zero waste person who will make that sacrifice that's right
1: which is totally fine and that you know that's what we're here for and I guess the the biggest thing is that once consumers make the switch to reusable we want them to stick with that product Whereas if they'd come in and gone straight for the zero waste product and they didn't get the perfect coffee the first time, they may have gone back to yeah,
0: disposable. That so. totally makes sense. Yeah. And it's interesting then going back to what you say about, you know, Nespresso not releasing it because the revenue isn't there mm. and it's not, you know, it's not the best business model. Um, but that's that's fine because you're a very different business to what they are. So it's a good business model in your case. Um, but in some ways as well, you've, because of that balance, you've protected yourself for the fact that you know they don't need to worry about it they're not going to worry that you're no. offering that but you still get to provide that solution that for a lot of people is a problem yeah. I drink a lot of coffee I've resisted pod machines because I don't like the disposable element of it now I know that there's an alternative um, I suppose as well like you know we i touched on Wii U more sustainability minded before starting this was that the place that this came from were you a big coffee person?
1: Yes. Yeah. yeah. So I've always, um, I mean, coming from the advertising industry, you know, lots yeah. of late nights, I've always, um, consumed a lot of coffee. Yeah. Um, and my husband is Italian, so, you know, coffee kind of cool. runs in their blood. Yeah. Um, you know, at Nonna's house on the weekend, she always puts <laughs> on the massive mocha pot and we all have coffee and you have Great. to drink it as an espresso Yeah. <laughs> and you know, you just, it's, um, yeah, it's, it's. It's really nice, like that that um, coffee culture, and obviously yeah. being in Melbourne, we're surrounded by coffee and good coffee too. For sure. Um, and then, after I guess after becoming a parent as well, you know, there's <laughs> a lot of coffee consumption is required. Some, yeah. you know, um, yeah. So it's, it's definitely um, something we were already
0: interested in as well. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. So tell me a little bit then. Let's, and I'll sort of paraphrase the journey and tell me if I'm (laughs) off the mark, but, you know, you've had this idea, you've then gone into a space where you've done your research, done your Googling, found some manufacturers, refined something to the fact that you're like, all right, I think this is good enough to go to market with. Um, What did the, I suppose, the six months from that point look like? How did you get your first sale?
1: Um, Look, I I think... I had been building up our social media accounts for a little while before we released the product. Um, so we already had a bit of a presence um, and we were sort of ready to go. Um, so to begin with, it was quite organic. And at the very start, I was essentially running weekly competitions, giving away free okay. products. So we that was back in the days where the algorithm was a little bit easier. <laughs> yeah.
2: um,
1: so we were getting some decent organic reach Um, and then not too far into our journey, we took part in the ING Dream Starter program. Um, and that really was a springboard for our business. Um, and yeah, it was, it was really amazing actually, you know, being supported by ING. So early in our our journey, um, it just, yeah, it, it took us to another level. Mm. So, you know, um, so
0: what is that program is that is that funding is or is it like how do you how did you get through that
1: so i think it was probably in its second year perhaps when we we took part Mm. um so essentially what they do is they um they run a crowdfunding campaign with you you run the crowdfunding campaign but supported by ing and then they i think it was a while ago now. As Actually, um, my son was a newborn at the time, so forgive me if, like, the details are <laughs> a little okay. hazy. Um, and I think they matched the funding of the, the crowdfunding campaign. Mm. Um, and then, obviously, you know, there was a lot of um, PR off the back of that and, yeah. you know, just being in front of their EDM like their mailing list as well is just... Of course, yeah. ...just wild. <laughs> um, so we were so lucky. And then we, we worked closely with them f- for a few years after that and nice. did a few events. And, um, yeah, it was just so so helpful for us. And there was a lot of learning there too. Um, and also, you know, I guess... Um, just being able to say that we were supported by them was was a big thing for our business as well
0: yeah it's just a little bit of a trust mark in the first time
1: yeah
2: yeah
0: absolutely so 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 you did crowdfunding then and that got some of the funding underway and you said you know you you just bought a house at the time when you kicked this off and you didn't want to take on more loan was was the business predominantly self-funded in that first part
1: yes and we're still self-funded to
0: date
1: um and that's I don't know. That's something that I've always felt more comfortable with. Yeah. Um, we've, we've talked on and off about different ideas around that. But um, as I said, I'm quite risk-averse. Yep. So, um, and we were really lucky. We were able to keep our overheads down for quite a while. Mm. Um, so we were running the business out of home yep. for... Have been two and a half years or something like that so you know anytime you'd open a cupboard product would just fall out on top of you <laughs> <Yeah. Cool. laughs> you know it was just like everywhere everything you would open it would just be hiding in there um yeah. so yeah it was getting <laughs> really cramped at home but um it it made a big difference to the growth of the business to just mm. keep overheads really low for as long as possible
0: yeah so again on this podcast i always i suppose i Take where I'm at at my stage, because I'm always talking to people who are much further ahead, and establish a bit of that. So we we've been live for about two months now, properly live, and the money there's some money starting to come in, and it's great. And it's a mix of like we've got random people buying things, and then you know friends and family are still buying things and supporting, and that's awesome. But we're now just getting into that point where at least there's a little bit of cash coming in, and we can start operating and making some business decisions. And it's like it's real now; we're making some money. um so yeah what was what was that initial period like did you was the first three months a bit of a grind to get the name out did it or were you surprised that actually you were able to kind of hit the ground running and start making some money
2: yeah
1: look, I, was, I was probably surprised yeah. um and you know we did take it pretty slow like just introducing one line at a time you know yeah. we sort of took it in real baby steps and and I've um, I've always done things that way. I prefer mm-hmm. to be safe and to go, okay, we've introduced this thing, see how it goes, make enough money, then we move on to the next step. So we're not, you know, placing these massive investments and yeah. taking big risks. Um, but it, it definitely, um, yeah, it really took off within a couple of years quite organically cool. um, along and then also with the help of that Dream Starter program. Yeah. Um, and then I think... It was probably around that time that the War on Waste series aired, mm-hmm. um, and sustainability became more of a more of a mainstream talking point. Yeah. Whereas before this, you know, I was like, yeah, we're kind of like a little bit, are we hippies or like greenies? I don't know. And yeah. <laughs> you know, all of a sudden, it was like everyone was talking about coffee cups and water bottles and. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, so I kind of like to think that we were sustainable before it was cool.
2: Excellent. <laughs> yeah. Cool. yeah.
1: Um, but I think that, you know, we saw a lot of um, traction off the back of that as well, mm-hmm. which was really great. You know, people are... Um, I guess even the conversations around... Uh, you know, I guess still to date, like, sometimes I think, you know, there's, there's so much talk about, like, coffee cups and water bottles and, and using reusable, Yeah. you know, but then... People still think it's okay to recycle coffee pods, but, you know, but theres it's interesting. There's, like, a little bit of a gap there. It's almost like a forgotten yeah. item. Um, but I think, again, that's something... Um, the sort of knowledge there is, is becoming more mainstream as well. Obviously, with anything, recycling is better than landfilling. Yeah. Um, but when you have the option to use reusable, you know, when you're looking at the zero-waste pyramid, reuse is always the more, you know, it's the more planet-friendly option. Mm. You know, you're l- using less energy, um, you know, transportation, all the, all of the things, raw materials, you know. Um, so I guess we're always... There's a lot of, um, yeah, education that still needs to be done. Um, but it's good to see, you know, more talk in the media um, about, you know, biodegradable and compostable maybe being a bit... Mm. Like problematic,
2: yeah. Okay.
1: And the issues with those kinds of materials. Um, so there's a the bioplastic ban coming up in Australia. I think it's mid next year. So they're banning okay. problematic plastics, like a lot of the bioplastics. Yeah. Um, because obviously there's a gap there where there's a lot of products that are either just going to break down into microplastics. Yeah. Or can only be broken down properly in industrial recycling um, facilities which is sort of not really a thing here yet Yeah. Um, so it's just it is really good to see uh, these kinds of conversations popping up in the mainstream now
0: I think so and it's great as you say you know you were able to be sustainable before it was cool (laughs) and you were able to be there but it's it's not it's nice to come into something as well and effectively be rewarded for that is that you came in with a purpose and wanting to do something you know it wasn't it wasn't a money grab business it was a business that had a driving purpose behind it yeah. hence talking to you today um and then it's nice when something kind of falls in yeah. to line a little bit and you get to capitalize on that it's like that's you know right. that's good karma for coming yeah. in and trying to do something yeah. off the bat as well so i think that's great. Um, so going ahead a bit then. So we've talked a little bit about the first 6 months. Uh one one question to finalize that area I suppose is again we've established that you weren't you weren't a business owner before you weren't, you know, in that kind of entrepreneurial mindset you were working in your role and then you decided to do this. Was there anything you did along the way? Did you do did you go and do any business study? Did you read any particular books or have you which, you know, I don't I think a lot of people don't do, but what I what I really like about your story is for one, it's similar to mine, so it's reassuring and it makes me feel good. But also, there's a lot of people who are like, I can't just have an idea and go and turn it into a business. Mm. So, I think in that case, you were able to. Was there anything you did to supplement your knowledge or has a lot of it been just learning on the fly?
1: Um, mostly just Google. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, look, not really. Like, it's it's mostly just trial and error, you yeah. know, making mistakes, trying things, seeing what works. um, dabbling with different ideas and i guess from what i've gathered over the years that's what a lot of business owners kind of do and you know there's probably been some areas that i would have liked to um had more time to do some external learning on like management for example yeah um i'm a closet introvert so managing is not really (laughs) you know (laughs) okay not really my jam but um i've had to give it a go because i own a business now and um so there are different things that i've i would have liked to i guess yeah get some more um official learnings on yeah um but again like as a business owner you're time poor so you just you have to prioritize and um i've been really lucky because the you know the team that i have we're all very like-minded and um I guess we use a very flat management style here where we're all very much on the same level and cool. Um, you know, I'm a mum, a lot of my team member are mums, like it's um yeah, we've we've made it work and hopefully my management has been okay. <laughs>
0: yeah. Uh, it's funny. So you've mentioned a couple of the words like directly out of one of my things I wanted to ask you on my notes here and that's that, you know, You've got quite a small team of yourself and your husband and a couple of employees as well, from what I understand and what I've seen on your site. Um, How have you prioritised your time between working in the business, so to speak, and working on the business? So, you know, be it getting press or scaling the business or innovating and having new ideas versus... So I've got to reply to 100 emails. I've got to pack 20, you know, whatever it might be. How – is that a challenge?
1: It's so tough and it's still tough. And um, I feel like maybe for the last three years, there's been quite a number of things that I've been trying really hard to move away from, but they just keep drawing me back in. Um, I do – I mean, I'm so time poor, I guess, you know, outside – some people, maybe outside of their work day, may be able to jump on the computer after work and do some extra things, but I just yeah. can't do that because when I'm at home, I'm usually mumming. So I'm like yeah. elbows deep in like peanut butter, <laughs> you know? <laughs> Fair enough. Um, yeah. So it's, as I said, it's really juggly. And so what I've had to learn to do is just be so super time efficient. And that can mean really prioritizing the really high value tasks. Yeah. Um, So sometimes lower value tasks will be put off because I'm like, you know what? I really need to get some PR on this and I need to do it this week. So sometimes I just have to push things in front of other things and fall behind in different areas. And um, there's an an analogy I've seen that's actually related to parenting, but you can relate it to business as well. It's about juggling balls and some of the balls are glass and some of the balls are plastic. Yeah. Um, Hopefully... eco-friendly plastic (laughs) um it's essentially you know you really want to keep those glass balls in the air yeah a bit if you're going to drop some balls you just make sure you're dropping the plastic balls and that's i guess i you know how i i I apply that to my business and my family life yeah
0: i think that's great that's exactly what it is you Mm. you just can't do everything and Mm -mm. the thing is as well if you have more time if you suddenly developed another 10 hours in a week Mm -hmm you'd fill those with something else and you'd still have to make those compromises anyway. Mm. It's it's always going to happen. Yeah. So, cool. So, yeah, I think something I've been really advocating for recently and with the people I work with and in the business is the aspect of um, of daily speed and monthly patience. So every day we, you know, every day we come in and we work hard mm. and we we work with momentum and we act fast. But then on a monthly level, you take a step back and say, you know, things take time. It's okay. Mm. We've also got, but we've got to be very patient. And in your yeah. case, you've been running this business now for five years, mm. um, and I imagine every day has been with a pretty good velocity of speed <laughs> for getting things done. Yeah. How long would you say you were being patient for in the business before you sort of sat back and went, you know, what, this is? I feel safe in doing yeah. this now.
1: Um, look, I'm probably still in that patient zone. You yeah. know, like I'm. We we've come a long way and we've we've grown a lot, but I mean, especially over the last couple of years with you know um, COVID and all the things, there's still a lot of uncertain uncertainty. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know you know what we're doing. It's I guess up until a couple of years ago, it really felt like we had all our eggs in one basket, essentially. Okay. Yeah. Um, and that's why you know, um, we've expanded the business to include our plastic recycling as well, yeah. just to add um, add value to the business and, and expand on what we're doing. Um, and, yeah, I, I don't know. It's kind of, you know, at the moment, especially, you know, the economy is just a little weird and yeah. everything's a bit all over the place. So, um, yeah, I feel like I'm still in that patient zone. And I don't know. I, as I said, I'm risk adverse, so maybe I'll never... I'll n- never feel completely secure in that sense. Like I always need to feel like, okay, what's next? How, yep. how are we doing this month? Um, what else can we do? Um, you know, what's an area where we can look at having more impact? What's an area where we can grow? Um, whereas my husband on the flip side, he's probably been content since year one. Like he, <laughs> yeah, we're, cool. we're quite different to each other. I think I, I probably carry a lot more of the worries for the business i'm always thinking about it my mind's always ticking and yeah um it's probably you know just built within my personality to to be like that i think
0: fair enough so so on the thing then of the day-to-day and you know how's this month going that's that's something that i've realized now is always going to be a always going to be something that you start thinking about is and i think i need to actually stop being because again we've been going for a very short amount of time at the moment i'm like how's this day going Mm. um which is a terrible way to be Mm -hmm. you know i've got to get way more macro than that and start looking at bigger picture and i'm aware of that but um yeah i suppose as you've said as well your your product isn't really a re a repurchasing product. Somebody comes in, so you must actually have quite. Then, when people are ordering every day, they're new customers. It's new customer acquisition happening more and more frequently. So, what are your strategies that you have in place for customer acquisition? How are you finding new sales?
1: Yeah. Um, look, I guess a lo- as I said, like a lot of a lot of it has been quite organic, mm-hmm. um, and. Um, you know, I do put a lot of focus on PR, um, which has definitely been helpful. Yeah. And I think also, like, being very genuine about what we do and passionate and, mm-hmm. and being, um, I guess, transparent in a sense that where we try to be truly responsible sort of from top to bottom Yeah, um, has been helpful as well because I think when new customers come across our products and then they look at our website you know i think that shows um which is you know which is good because um that all of that you know that's really important to us like we put a lot of time and effort into making sure that um you know we're sustainable throughout you know from manufacturing through to product um and i think that a big part of it is word of mouth as well um you know, and it's just uh, one thing I've, I've heard about PR before is you've got to think of it as a trail of breadcrumbs. And, um, you know, I guess that's very much like what I do. You know, we sometimes we do markets and sometimes we appear in articles and, mm. um, you know, sometimes we um, take part in um, collaborations and, you um, We'll utilize different online marketplaces. So it's just sort of, you know, Fair. sprinkling ourselves around the place and, um, you know, using our networks as well. So there's a lot of really good sustainable and zero-waste networks within Melbourne and Australia. So, um, yeah, it's very much being part of part of the right networks as well, I think. Yeah, cool.
0: yeah. I think that's actually – that's kind of cool to hear. So one thing that I've been battling with at the moment is um, – so digital advertising and digital marketing is a big part of – What I come from, and that's obviously, you know, paid advertising is Mm. always going to be an element of an e-commerce business, uh, which is what we're doing. But then I'm very aware that the next step for us is PR. I'm like, right, how do we, how do we do PR? And you know, we've got three, three of us co-founders, and that's we all bring skills from photography and content to products and fashion design and operations and digital marketing. And then you know, so right, PR, and everyone just sort of looks at each other like. I don't know. Like, what do we do now? So what yep. tips would you... And it's interesting you say as well, like PR can be being at markets, collaborations, whereas in my mind as well, PR very much goes getting an article in the Daily Mail. Yeah. So, so yeah, how has your journey been? How did you go about kickstarting that journey yeah. of getting into things?
1: Yeah, I do a lot of really random things, <laughs> basically. Yeah. Um, sometimes I will just go out on a limb and contact a random journalist and be like hey I noticed you wrote an article about such and such and I just th- thought you might like to hear about this thing that I'm doing that's kind of hmm. along the same lines um, and um, yeah it's it's, it's just get, getting in front of the right people as well like um, you know we've attended some networking events um, and I guess maybe our PR journey started when we did do that Dream Starter yeah. program so uh, there was a lot of I guess paid PR through ING um, and then so we were sort of getting in front of, of people at that time and then it sort of made it a little bit easier when it's like okay um, you know oh if they were in X magazine then they must be good so maybe we'll write about them as well I don't know so yeah. that was probably helpful um, yeah it's it, it can be very, yeah, it's very <laughs> ad hoc. Um, yeah. And I do a lot of cold emails. Um, I've done a couple of cold calls. And then, you know, once once I'm in touch with a journalist, I will keep their details mm-hmm. and, you know, I won't harass them because, you, you know, you want to be kind and they're really busy. <laughs> yeah. Um, and just making sure that you're really grateful, you know, if they do help you out, mention you. Um, or, you know, create a piece about you. It's just making sure that, you know, you follow up to say thank you. And sometimes I'll be yeah, like, hey, cool. you know how you wrote about our coffee. Do you want to try some? I'll send you some. Yeah.
2: Um,
1: and, and then I guess also working with, um, I guess in that camp, you know, we can also talk about working with influencers. Yeah. Um, so again it's a similar thing um cold messages to influencers you know um and then also i've used a couple of platforms for um collaborating with with influencers which has been helpful Mm -hmm. as well um
0: did you find that was that gave you a worthwhile return
1: it's been a little hit and miss yeah um I tried one and it was just all wrong. Yeah. Um, but then I tried a different one and I had a really good response and that was, you know, out of maybe the 15 influences I worked with, I was really happy with maybe like half a dozen. I got some really good, good, um, content there. Um, so, you know, and it, you don't want to get bogged down in the times that it didn't work, or you don't want to be afraid to just have a go at emailing a journal. Yeah, um, it's all just worth trying. And sometimes, like you know, you can sit there and and worry about it, but you, you just got to hit send. Sometimes yeah. you just got to like try it, and then if you don't hear back, it's kind of there's no you, you haven't lost anything. Yeah, you know? no harm done. It, yeah, totally.
0: Yeah, I love that. That's that's great because there's some. I listen to that back, and whenever I'm talking and doing these interviews, I'm always listening back for the bits that I can extract and put through as highlights. And I'm like, that's a a great bit there. There's some really good actionable points. And what's kind of fun about that is there is a mix there of actionable points. And I find when I ask people, how do you go about PR, most of them who have done a good job of it as well, like in your case, go... Yeah, I don't really know. I just kind of have. Yeah. So, And you managed to then get into yeah. some of the things you've done. But and I'm like, well, how are people professionals in PR? Because if I ask anyone, everyone sort of goes, I oh, don't know, you just kind of do it. Yeah. So, no, that's great. There's some really good yeah, really good parts great. to that. Cool. So let me just have a look because I want to move on and keep going, but I'm just – could go into a lot more about it. But um, – yeah, so let's let's talk a little bit about Precious Plastic then, because obviously this is something else that's evolved, and that's the first thing I see when I come into this office space today is, um, you know, 3D printers and plastic recycling machines. Mm. I had no idea you were actually going to be doing things on site. Mm. Yeah. So almost like we're starting the podcast over again, tell us a bit about yeah. that business.
1: Um, I'll probably be more concise this time, yeah. <laughs> now that I've warmed up. Yeah. So we... Um, a couple of years ago, we were essentially looking for a sustainable manufacturing solution for a product that we wanted to make for Crema Joe. Yeah. Um, and you're talking about different materials, and I guess, you know, for every sustainable material we talked about, it was still going to be a virgin material. Mm-hmm. We, we essentially said to ourselves, I mean, surely we can do better than that. Yeah. Um, and I guess it was it's very much one thing led to another,
2: yeah
1: um, and so we came across the precious plastic method um, so precious plastic is an open source um they're, they're essentially op- an open source range of machines mm. um, that was created by their founder, Dave Harkins, in the Netherlands. Um, so he's essentially released the blueprints to these machines and he's like, all right, everybody, off you go. Off cool. you go okay. and go recycle. And the idea is that, you know, we're trying to create an army of micro recyclers around mm. the globe because, you know, there's this uh, your endless supply of plastic waste. Yeah. You know, we can use this as a resource. It's already in existence mm-hmm. sort of thing. Um,
0: so is that... So because it's... Your business is called Precious Plastic Melbourne. Yes. So do you license then this? How? What's that situation? Yeah. Um,
1: so everything they do is open source. Okay. The original Precious Plastic. And what they... Um, I guess they've sort of rebranded part of it. They're calling it One Army. And I guess the whole point of it is they're wanting everyone to go off and start off their own businesses recycling plastic. Mm. And that's sort of the whole purpose of it. So we... um, There's probably... There's not that much of it going on in Australia. And when we we started, there was probably one, maybe one other, and it was at um, Monash. So it was pretty quiet at the time. Um, So we decided to keep the precious plastic brand name and be precious Mm. plastic melbourne so essentially the precious plastic melbourne with the branch um and some people that start up their own little factories will just completely rebrand some people will maintain the precious plastic name to tie it back in um and we just felt like it was only right to keep the name because you know we are Part of this army, yeah. Um. So yeah, it's not it's not a license. Like it's all it's all open source, and you can you can essentially do what you want with it. But the point is that everyone goes off and um to get as many people turning waste into products as possible.
0: Yeah, cool. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. All right. So I'm getting my head around the structure of this now. So then, yeah, carry on then with your with your overview of it. How does it actually? Yeah, what what's the actual operational side of that then?
1: Yeah, so we um so when we discovered it we we're like, oh well maybe this maybe this is mm. it and um, we got really, really excited <laughs> yep. like we do. Um and so we essentially started by building one machine. Yeah. And we sort of went from there and it, it really has just grown its own legs and just you know, at the time we were like, Oh, we will have this one little machine and we'll make our little products and we will sell mm. it through from and Let's it will
0: see. be Sorry, you so, say I'm sorry to cut in, but I've, I've this is foreign to me entirely. So you built the machine, so you get the open source like blueprint, and then what can you yes. go to Bunnings and buy the parts and well, make one of these?
1: That's kind of the idea. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Right. Okay. So the idea is that anyone can do it. That's the idea, and that yeah. they want everyone to do it.
0: Okay. Cool. Um.
1: So yeah, I mean it's that. So that's that's the idea in a nutshell. Yeah. Um. And that's sort of how they they speak about it. But it it did end up being a little bit harder (laughs) than (laughs) that, Um, which is to be expected. There's a lot of... um, There are a lot of hurdles. And then, um, obviously, since we started... I think it was, like, 2018 we had the idea and we started moving on it in 2019. Um, Mm. But I guess we've come a really long way and we've we've discovered that, you know, not every machine can do everything... Um, you know, so we've we've added new machines and we've then also um, um, made adjustments to machines and then completely reworked some machines. So we've sort of continued to build on it until we, you know, we've gotten to a point where we're like, oh, we're actually, we're getting really good at this now, yeah. like, you know. Um, and we we work really closely with, um, so we ha- have a machine builder and so we work really closely with him cool. to develop these machines. Um so when we started, I guess the idea was, oh, cool! Well, we can um, not only can we make our own products, we're like, wow, we can we can help other people make products too, and we we're like, oh, cool! This is going to be really fun, and think of all the things we can do. Yeah. Um, but what we did discover is that it's really time intensive. Mm. Um. You know, which means it's quite it's quite expensive as well. Yeah. You know, this is not mass producing products. It's very um, it's very bespoke. Uh, so, yeah, it's it's a lot of work. And um, what we found is there's just so much, uh, I guess, like yeah, so, so many human resources required to create like one product um, that it was actually going to be tough to, I guess, do production runs a bit harder, okay. know, a little bit harder than, than we had expected. I mean, we've refined since then and we're, we're moving a mm-hmm. lot faster, which is great. Um, Can you but, give us an example yeah. of
0: a product then sure. that you've actually – that gets met or that you've done yeah. for, for an external part or from your own sure. actually the one that you do for you guys
1: um, so the product we made for ourselves is essentially um, it's uh, the purpose of this product is again to remove the barriers for people who are trying to move from single use to disposable so it's a we call it the perfect press mm-hmm. and you essentially pop your your capsule in the bottom a little funnel on top you scoop your coffee in and then the, there's a part that goes on top that tamps the coffee yeah so essentially it's cleaner it's quicker and it tamps more consistently you get a better coffee and it just makes it really easy to use so part of that is like okay let's remove more barriers for people so that it's easier to switch to reusable yeah um so that was the first product that we made um and since then we've made all kinds of things so we've made um, like three different combs. Somehow we became comb people. Um, and that's
0: what we're looking at we're,
1: There's a couple of combs here. <laughs> yep. um, we've made a couple of different types of carabiner. Um, we made ear savers at the start of the, the pandemic um, mm. as a quick pivot. <laughs> yep. um, what else have we done? We've, done um, we've created the mold for surf fins, uh, which is being produced by another precious plastic over in mm. Margaret River. Um, so we also work with other cool. branches so it's very it's very collaborative um, yeah. which is you know that's what the circular economy is all about um, we've done surf uh, combs which is the surf wax combs yep. I don't know a lot about surfing but um, what else have we done yeah it's um, we've probably done about a dozen products all up Um oh, cool. But yeah, I guess, so it's sort of evolved now to a point where we've sort of, um, we do still do production and manufacturing, um, but we've realised that we've gotten quite good at that, um, I guess, the product design side of things, as well as um, the machine building. So we've moved more to a point where we're actually building machines for other people.
0: Yeah, okay. And
1: well. also we're helping people um, You know, we're designing products. We're designing the molds and getting the molds made for products. So we're sort of moving more into, um, I guess, the supplier side of things as well. So we're doing both. We're doing all the things. We just
0: that's awesome. And and is precious plastics there? Obviously, you know, Cream and Joe has been going for these years now and is a profitable a profitable business that is you know in operation. Is Precious Plastics on its way to becoming that? Has it reached that point? Like, how does it balance? Where do you think your, I suppose, where do you think the more lucrative future lies for you yeah. guys?
1: Um, I guess we, we we like to joke that Cremant Joe is the bank and Precious Plastic is the hole. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, okay, good. Cool. Um,
1: so it, it really is, you know, we've self-funded it up until this point point. Um, and it's very much been a passion project yeah. that we've, we've just been funding because we're... We just love it and we're excited by it. We just see so much potential in it. Um, But that has been hard on the businesses. Um, Mm. uh, But we are getting to a point where we're sort of really refining our processes and um, I guess refining our mission and and what we do. And we're sort of working more on that business side of things now to make sure it is sustainable in a financial sense as well. Yeah. Um, And it is tough because, you know, it's it's not easy and it's taken a lot of time and a lot of love and a lot of money. (laughs)
2: Yeah.
1: Um, and there's just been so many barriers along the way. And I guess it just makes you realize, you know, this is why people try things like this and then give up.
0: Like it it is
1: tough, you know? Um, it feels like there's been a lot of red tape, you know, even when it comes down to like, um, insurance and, and things like that, you know, the Mm. second people see, Oh, Oh, you recycle plastic, you know, all of a sudden, either no one will insure you or right. um, it, insurance skyrockets. And we're like, well, it's this tiny... We're not like, you know... We've got a huge factory <laughs> not, out somewhere, yeah. We're just doing these tiny little bespoke, you know, things. And it's just... Because it's it's a completely different thing, it's this weird niche and it's kind of... It's so new, these micro-recycling um machines there's just sort of nothing that really applies to it yet um so yeah i mean as we were talking about earlier it's just like it's we're sort of breaking new ground almost and um yeah it's it's been interesting but um we're sticking with it and um i think it's got a, a really really big potential
0: that's awesome. And I think as well, you know, on on this podcast and in many things like this and in this space, a lot of people throw around and band around the term of, you know, ethical entrepreneur. And it's is someone really that are they you know, or is it just a small business owner or are they actually entrepreneurial in the sense of innovating and creating better, you know, mm. trying to, for as cliche it is, make the world a better place yeah. with their business. So as you say, you are breaking new ground. You mm. actually are. This is a hub here of mm. ethical entrepreneurship. You are yeah. taking this in-house. You've gone from working in ad agencies <laughs> or in ad land to now understanding engineering and manufacturing and creation of recycling machines. That's quite a big jump. That's mm. a yeah. It's a huge journey. So it might not you know it might not seem that much day to day when you're in it and you're doing it, but it's a huge progression into doing yeah. something really cool. Yeah. So, yeah, it's great. Thank you. So, yeah, with that said, then, what is what does the next 12 months look like? Where can people check everything out? How can people transition over to, you know, using reusable coffee pods? How can they find out more about Precious Plastics? And, yeah, do give you a plug. <laughs>
1: yeah, so we're uh, – to find us on the internet, you can Google us or we're at uh, au or plastic.org.au for Precious Plastic. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, I mean, as, as far as the coffee pods go, we really, you know, we encourage people to to switch to reusable um, because it is the most sustainable way to brew with your home pod machine. And we're actually, when you jump onto our website, um, up in the, the top of the menu, you see a button that says get started and that mm-hmm. takes you through a little quiz yes. that helps direct you to the product that is right for you. So we've tried to make that really easy. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, yeah, as far as precious plastic goes, um... I think we're expecting to see a lot of growth in the next twelve months, um, and you know, we're we're adding new options and for manufacturers and and sorry for um, we're adding new options for businesses all the time, and we've got a lot of actually local businesses um, jumping on board at the moment. And we really, again, you know, we love that so many organisations are looking to. to yeah. manufacture more sustainably. Um, so, yeah, it's really great to see that, you know, these companies that are coming to us, they are looking to be truly sustainable as well. You know, it's... Um, I think consumers are, are, I guess, a lot more aware now. Sure, yeah. um, which is great. And businesses are looking to do the right thing as well, which is really good. So, um,
0: yeah. Sounds so. good. All right, so I'm going to ask... Actually, I'll tell you what, I'm going to wrap things up and then I'm going to ask you a question offline, um, which maybe I'll keep the recording running for. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll finish up there because that's been a great insight into everything you're doing. There's some actionable advice. It's really also nice as well. I think when speaking to people who have started their businesses, a lot of people say you know you've just got to throw in everything there's no point in you know taking the baby steps or being too cautious but it's a great example as well that that can also be an absolutely valid and brilliant way to do it and to build something that's awesome without putting yourself under unnecessary stresses Um, so i think yeah it's been really great to chat really interesting to hear more about it and i know that anyone listening is gonna absolutely love hearing more about your journey so thanks very much thank
2: you
1: so much